Good morning. <clears throat> I'm going to start out with a story. It's a story about David, uh, the shepherd boy at one point, then in, in a struggle with Saul for uh, Saul uh, was felt threatened by David and his accomplishments, and Saul was trying to destroy David. And at one point, uh, David gathered around him people he, they called mighty men, mighty men. And David was in his uh, stronghold in a cave in Adullam. And at the time, the Philistines had a garrison in his hometown of Bethlehem. And David is thirsty. It's out in the desert in a mountain. And David says, oh, that someone would give me a drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. Maybe there were a couple wells, but that particular one, probably as a boy, when he was thirsty after running around and playing with the other kids, was his favorite water. He was so thirsty. And so some of his mighty men, three of his mighty men, fought through the garrison by themselves, got to the well, drew up water, and brought it back to David. So here's David, ready to take his drink of water. He couldn't. He pours it out to the Lord. Why didn't he drink it? Well, what he said was, for it be it from me, O Lord, that I should do this, is this not the blood of the men who went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore, he would not drink it. But he poured it out as an offering to the Lord. It was precious water. It had come at the cost of his mighty men almost being killed at this, by this garrison. He poured it out to the Lord. God was worthy of the priceless water. And so I'd like to talk a little bit this morning, first of all, about an offering called the drink offering. You never read about it, the drink offering. And there are five major offerings to the Lord we read about in, uh, in the Old Testament. Uh, the, the, the two were not sweet smelling, that one was the sin offering, and we'll talk about that a little bit today. Another was called the trespass offering or the guilt offering. Uh, those were not sweet. They dealt with sin and how God was going to deal with sin. And this morning we had a breaking of bread service where we remembered that the Lord Jesus Christ was the, our sin offering, one who bore our sins. And that was basically the purpose of this offering. But there were three that were sweet smelling. One was called the burnt offering. Another was called in the, if you King James Version, it calls it the meat offering. Other versions call it the meal offering. Other versions call it the grain offering. It was grain, basically ground up. Uh, grain, it could be baked into a cake, but that was an offering to the Lord. We'll talk about that. And the last was called a peace offering. And we'll talk about these in a few minutes. But let's stick for a moment with the drink offering. Because God said in the Old Testament, let me get rid of the bucket. I didn't pour it on the carpet. <laughs> uh, David, you just picture David taking it, you know, just dumping it on the, on the ground, looking at it, realizing its importance. But he's going to pour it all out. He didn't drink some and then pour the rest to the Lord. And that's what's significant about the drink offering. It all goes to the Lord. It's the only offering where there's no residue. There's nothing left. It's all for the Lord. And 
in service to the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, this offering, the drink offering, is, uh, is special because since there's nothing left, the picture is there's nothing of ourselves in it. It's all for the Lord. And that was the, the David didn't save any of this for himself. He gave it all to the Lord. Where you have, uh, say, the burnt offering, the skin is taken off the animal and given to the priests to use. Uh, it becomes leather, basically. Uh, but the, everything else is burned up in this offering. So it's, it's the, the sacrifice is totally consumed. So it's a nice picture of our Lord who yielded himself uh, so willingly to die for our sins. But there was something left, and that was the, the leather. But this is the only sacrifice where there's nothing left. It's all for the Lord. And uh, I guess the question for each of us is, is God worthy to pour our lives out for him? Is God worthy of that? And the answer is a rhetorical question. The answer is obviously yes. What holds us back is our, uh, our, our own self-interest, basically, uh, holds us back from pouring ourselves totally out for the Lord. We've turned with me to Numbers chapter 15, just to read a little bit about the drink offering. It's, not, it's only mentioned three times in Leviticus, but it's mentioned a few more times in Numbers. So if you would turn with me to Numbers, Numbers chapter 15. And you'll see that the drink offering, in fact, in numbers, you always, you'll find, we'll find out that it's always offered with a meal offering and always offered with a burnt offering. But by itself, it needs these other offerings as well, and they're kind of mixed together as an offering to the Lord. Chapter 15, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When you have come into the land you are to inhabit, which I am giving to you, and you make an offering by fire to the Lord, a burnt offering or a sacrifice, to fulfill a vow or as a freewill offering, or in your appointed feast, to make a sweet aroma to the Lord from the herd or the flock. Then he who presents this offering to the Lord shall bring a grain offering, that's the, the meal offering, will bring a grain offering of one-tenth of an ephah of fine flour mixed with one-fourth of a hin of oil, and one-fourth of a hin of wine as a drink offering you shall prepare with a burnt offering or the sacrifice for each lamb. And that's all that we need to read. So we have the drink offering. It was all for the Lord. Whatever container it contained it was empty when it was finished. If you go over to in New Testament, we're going to find two more verses, and uh, if you'd like to turn there, you're welcome to. There, the drink offering is mentioned. The first is Philippians chapter 2. I'll be reading a number of verses, and you really won't have to turn to them, but I wanted to put this together as sort of a, a picture of the offerings to the Lord. And to me, the drink offering is one of the most significant in terms of my Christian life. Uh, in terms of my salvation, I thank the Lord for the, the sin offering and the Lord Jesus Christ uh, and the trespass offering or the guilt offering. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. Uh, but you also have the meal offering, 
the burnt offering, the peace offering. Those are sweet-smelling savors, and they speak a lot about our Lord Jesus Christ, his life, his character. But the drink offering really speaks to me about my walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Would I do any service to him? Am I willing to pour myself out for him? So in Philippians chapter, uh, chapter 2 and verse 17, Yes, this is Paul speaking, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. So here's the Philippians. Uh, they're exhorted in this, uh, in this section uh, to do things without complaining and disputing. Uh, they're working out their faith uh, that they had inwardly. They're working it out outwardly. Uh, through, through their lives, through their activities. Uh, they're shining as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life. Those are some of the words that are used in this section. Then Paul says, uh, in addition to your sacrifice, and these things involve sacrifice, I am being poured out like a drink offering on top of it. In other words, he's offering himself in service to the Philippians on top of their sacrifice. And to me, that's beautiful. He's giving of himself. How does he do that? Well, think about it. He probably prays for them. And remember, he writes them a letter. He exhorts them in the letter. But he's thinking about them in such a way that he's willing to just lay himself out for the Lord for, these, for this assembly. Uh, he's pouring himself as a drink offering, he says, on, uh, on the sacrifice and service of your faith. I am glad and rejoice with you all. So he's, he's adding to their sacrifice his own sacrifice. He's pouring himself out. Let's look at one more place in 2 Timothy chapter 4, where Paul is, represents him what he's doing as a drink offering. Second Timothy chapter 4. Verse 6, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. What a beautiful example Paul is presenting to each of us who have a desire to offer something back to the Lord for all that he's given us. Uh, and there's many ways we can give back to the Lord. In our worship service, at the end, we usually have a collection. So financially, we can give back to the Lord. Uh, we can give back to him in, in, in our witness. Uh, we can give back to him in service. But there's many ways to give things back to the Lord. But Paul's example is, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. So here he's at the end of his life. It was a tradition in Rome, in, in a Roman house, at the end of a meal, you'd pour out some wine. For the, for the gods. That was typical of a Roman meal and a Roman family. Uh, Paul's picking up that picture, that image, basically, and he's saying, the end of the meal is here. I'm ready to be poured out. No reservations. The, the liquid is completely emptied from the cup and totally given to God. So he was being poured out. His head was not on the executioner's block but his heart was there. He was ready to make the ultimate sacrifice. 
note that the drink offering, there's nothing left. There's nothing of self left in Paul. And that's what's so beautiful. He's totally committed to the work. And in your service, whatever it might be, uh, you want to hold nothing back, but give it totally to the Lord and for his glory, not for your own glory, but for his glory. That's the picture. Everything was for, for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's another example that we won't turn to the verse, but Mary of Bethany, what does she take and pour on the Lord Jesus Christ as a drink offering? The perfume, the spikenard. She pours it on him. In fact, she even wipes his feet with her hair. It could, every, some of the disciples thought this was such a waste, but Jesus pointed out she's doing it for my burial. But it was a gift totally poured out for him. It was a gift. It was a free will offering as well. And the drink offering was part of this group of offerings that were called free will offerings. They were not compulsory, where the sin offering was compulsory. The trespass offering was compulsory. A free will offering was done of your own free will. And there's Mary of Bethany pouring the wine or pouring the oil, fragrant oil on the Lord Jesus Christ. That was her act of service. We each have a different gift, and in that gift, we can exercise it in such a way as to bring it as a gift to the Lord Jesus Christ. We owe him. He's purchased us. We're his. We owe him. And how we return that, that gift that he's given us of eternal life is done in, in our own way, you see. A drink offering is a beautiful picture of that. This is all for the Lord. Think of Ananias and uh, Sapphira, the two that sold their property and brought part of the money back. There's an example of not a drink offering. They kept some back, and they pretended that they were giving all of it to the Lord, but they were holding it back. There, there's a bad example. We have some good examples, and there, there we have a bad example. Uh, something that's poured out for the Lord. Is your life poured out for the Lord? The little things you're doing for him, are they poured out? Are you doing it for self, your, your own self, I don't know, appease your conscience, whatever. But God wants it to be a gift, a free will offering. So there's three, the five general offerings in the Old Testament. Like I said, the drink offering always came with something called the meal offering or the grain offering and the burnt offering. Three of these are voluntary two are required, three are sweet-smelling, two are not. Three remind us of the qualities of the Lord Jesus Christ, his, the beauty of his life. Two remind us of our own sin. So there's a big difference, but I want, I want you to remember, walk away this morning knowing that there were five sacrifices, and three are free will offerings, and two are not. Just remember five, and see if you can recall those through the day. The first of the, uh, we'll just cover each five of them very, very briefly. We won't spend a lot of time on it this morning, but each one of these, you could, we could spend a half an hour, 45 minutes, each one individually. But we're going to just skim over these five sacrifices. The first is the sin offering. It was not a sweet aroma. It was required. Parts of it were burned on the altar, uh, the fat and the blood. And you might say, well, that's kind of a waste. Uh, why? Why just burn that? Why not the whole thing? Well, that is an interesting question that I don't know the answer to. Uh, 
But I do know the fact that the, 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 the blood, is speaking of the blood that would have to be shed by the Lord Jesus Christ. And the, 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 all things are, are redeemed by blood, and that was the purpose of the sin offering. It was required for unintentional sin, but brought any sin that brought guilt upon the community of Israel or the individual. And they were usually done in ignorance. In his death, the Lord Jesus bore our sin in his own body in our place. His blood was shed on the cross. We read in Hebrews 9 and 22, and by the shedding of blood, according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. He became a sin offering for us. He bore our sins on the cross. So in that picture of seeing our sins being dealt with, he was a sin offering. And sometimes you'll hear that in our prayers on Sunday morning. We thank you that he bore our sins. And that's what the purpose of the sin offering was. The next uh, was the trespass offering or the guilt offering. It also was not a sweet aroma and was required. This one's a little bit different. It speaks of sin that is done against holy things. I mean, if you somehow trespassed or did something wrong within the, t the, the tabernacle or the temple or uh, an article of those holy things, you, it was, it was, what was required was a trespass offering or a guilt offering. And uh, it pictures for a Christian, there are some things we do as, as Christians which I, I believe discredit the Lord. So we need a place to come to to ask for forgiveness for something we may have done that brings dishonor to the Lord. So there's a, bit, a little bit of a parallel here. Uh, that is, the sin offering deals with our basic, our, our condition. We're sinners. And this deals with us after we're saved. Where do we go for forgiveness? Again, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. His death at the cross has dealt with these things, both past sins and present sins. And that's sort of the picture of the guilt offering. Uh, I listed a few things here that I think are important for a believer. One is that are precious in terms of uh, honoring the Lord, um, holy things. First is his name. I mean, uh, one person has pointed out, swearing falsely by the name of the Lord brings dishonor to him. I'll, I'll share this since we have a few minutes. Uh, before I was saved, I was raised in a home my dad never swore. Okay, So naturally being raised in a home like that when you're in, in sixth, fifth, sixth grade, you learn how to swear from the other kids. Okay, and. Uh, and my neighbor and I used to compete on who could say the foulest things. Um, I never did it around my parents. Okay. But anyway, the time came, and we used the Lord's name, every foul word you could think of. And finally, one day, he beat me. I, I, I forget what, the, what, he, uh, what expression he used, but I, I realized he's better at this than I am. And so uh, I didn't play with him very much. And his sister noticed it. And she asked me, why, why aren't you playing with Erwin? I said, well, he, he says bad things. That's what I said. OK. 
Well, he got his mouth washed out with soap, okay? And, you know, you don't, we don't do that today, but we sure did it when I was a kid. Life buoy soap, and it, it was tasted foul. And, you know, that spoke to me years later when I realized the Lord Jesus Christ paid the price for my sin. I was just as guilty as him. Uh, but there are things that we do sometimes that so dishonor the Lord that we need a place for forgiveness. Lord, where can I go? It's the cross. It's the cross. It's the cross. Another thing that Paul was, Apostle Paul was concerned about was the gospel, how precious that is. And to twist that into something that it isn't is foul. Uh, in Colossians, we read, he made peace through the blood of his cross. He made peace through the blood of his cross. That's an important doctrine. That's precious. That's a precious thing as far as God is concerned. And those who would preach something different than the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, where Christ paid the whole penalty for our sin, we're free because of what he's done for us at the cross. Anathema to them. Uh, Paul could said they could be cursed as far as he was concerned because it's precious. Another thing that's precious to God, and now that we're believers, uh, so we want to protect the gospel. We want to also uh, use his name in a dignified way, uh, protect the gospel. The other is how we use our bodies. There's a verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price, therefore honor, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. That's precious, how we treat our own bodies, uh, how we use them for in service to him. They can be used uh, to, to, to violate everything that you know, we, we, we stand for in, in, in the gospel. Uh, where do you go for forgiveness? The cross. Next, last is the, the Lord's table. How important that is. Those who eat the bread drink, or drink the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. So that's another thing as believers we want to protect or honor. And to bring dishonor in any of these four things is like in the Old Testament, somebody dishonoring the temple or the tabernacle. They need to come. They need an offering. So you go. To, we go to the cross to find forgiveness. And Christ is the only remaining sacrifice for all sin and trespasses. The guilt is an interest. This is it's called the guilt offering in some translations. The guilt offering. And guilt is a, uh, something that is. Most people have a tough time dealing with guilt. Uh, you can have uh, a guilt uh, that's really, we wouldn't, you wouldn't consider guilt. Like, for example, if you were raised Jewish, got saved, and you went to eat bacon, okay, you'd feel guilty about that, probably, where it's really not justified. But there are things that we do that are totally justified in feeling guilt for. Where do you go? Oh, we can blame somebody else for it. I read an interesting poem. I'll share it with you. Uh, it's called Jolly Old Sigmund Freud. This is the way it goes. I went to my psychiatrist to be psychoanalyzed. This is how you deal with guilt. 
to find out why I killed the cat and blacked my husband's eyes. He laid me on a downy couch to see what he could find, and here's what he dredged up from my subconscious mind. When I was one, my mommy hid my dolly in a trunk, and so it follows naturally that I am always drunk. And when I was two, I saw my father kiss the maid one day, and that is why I suffer now from kleptomania. When at three, I had the feeling of ambivalence towards my brothers, and so it follows naturally. I poison all my lovers. But I am happy now. I've learned a lesson this has taught, that everything I do that's wrong is someone else's fault. We need to deal with guilt the right way. And if it is truly something that is bothering our conscience, we need to take it to the Lord. And there might be a restitution involved, but there's forgiveness at the cross for sins past, for sins present, for sins in the future. It's been dealt with. The blood of our Lord Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. That's how we maintain our relationship with God because we all fail in, in so many ways. I'm speaking of myself, yet I can know I can always go find forgiveness with God. It's hard to carry regrets and guilt and sin. It just drags you down, drags you down, drags you down. Yet there's forgiveness with the Lord. And we see that these offerings, he's dealt with sin, he's dealt with guilt. These animals were sacrificed in the Old Testament our Savior died for our sins in the New Testament. Praise him. So there's three other sacrifices, and we'll just spend five minutes on each one. The first is the burnt offering. It's, also, it's a sweet aroma, and a free will offering, offered for the first time by Noah. Abraham offered Isaac as a burnt offering. Isn't that interesting? Noah offered a burnt offering. So what you have is sheep, a goat, a bulls, turtle doves, or young, young pigeons. And it denoted total surrender to God. You're giving it to the Lord. This Jesus' sacrifice on the cross is his willingness to totally surrender himself to God and follow his will. We often say to ourselves, not thy will, but mine be done. What did the Lord say? Not my will, but thine be done. He gave himself totally for us. So it represents that, a total surrender to God on behalf of the believer. And uh, Ephesians 5 Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering, a burnt offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. That smells sweet to the Lord. You're familiar with Romans chapter 12. It's always been a challenge to me. Romans chapter 12 and verses one and two. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable, your spiritual service. And do not be conformed to this world, 
but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Here's an interesting offering. The burnt offering was consumed, all except for the skin. And yet what Paul says, he, he proposes that we present our bodies as the living sacrifice, a free will offering, so to speak. Are you willing to give your life in service to him? Present your bodies, a living sacrifice, holy, and that speaks a lot about what we'll talk about next is the meal offering, the, the grain offering, its purity, its consistency. That's the meal offering, but the, the purity of it, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service. One person has said, this offering is a lot like um, offering yourself to be a priest to God, to serve him as a priest. It involves worship. Are you willing to offer yourselves in worship to God? Not, our prayers are usually, you know, Lord, I need this. Lord, I'm having difficulty here. Lord, I, I'm short of money. Lord, these are typical our prayers. But how often do we turn it around and say, Lord, thank you for this. Thank you for that. And over here, thank you for this as well. And just simply, then just simply worship him. Lord, you're able to do this. I praise and thank you that you, no one else can do this. You can do it. That's praise. You're worthy of my praise. That's a praise offering. And that's Paul is saying, I want you to present your bodies as the living sacrifice so that you can vocalize this and talk about it and praise God as a priest. The next offering is... is, is it says so, so many names. I grew up in a kid, reading a King James Version, never understood it. Why is it called a meat offering? Well, in the 16th, 17th century, when the King James Version was written, a meat offering meant just general food. It's totally grain that was taken and put into cakes or uh, kept in powder form, but still, it's a grain offering, a meal offering. The Hebrew word is mincha. It consisted chiefly of grain or flour and cakes made from grain and wine, seasoned with salt and offered with incense. It could not be offered with a sin offering. They were made together with burnt offerings as a sacrifice for thanksgiving. In Numbers we read God uh, said, no burnt offering was ever to be offered without a meal offering. And it was totally consumed. But part of it went on top of the sacrifice, the burnt offering, and a part was left for the, the priest's own consumption. But nothing remained for the offerer, uh, where the, the drink offering was totally for the Lord. Here, bits could go here, bits could go there, but nothing left for the offerer. Uh, the peace offering was divided up three ways. So the offerer got what was left. But what does it speak of? It's not so much his death of the Lord Jesus Christ, but his perfect manhood. Uh, in fact, in the meal offering, you were not allowed to use leaven. What does leaven speak of? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. What's Jesus talking about? What's leaven? 
It's the hypocrisy, right? And there was no leaven in a meal offering. So it reminds us that the Lord's life was totally without hypocrisy. His perfect manhood. The oil in the meal offering, uh, one person has said, speaks of him being born of and baptized with the Holy Spirit. So the meal offering, again, it's what it reminds me of. It's its consistency, it's, it's, it's purity, and it's something that you can offer with the Lord, to the Lord in a burnt offering as well. But it speaks of his perfect manhood, where the, the, the burnt offering is his willingness to give himself all the way to death on our behalf. And the last offering that we'll talk about is the peace offering. It's also a free will offering. And uh, you might, uh, I had written down, I had a good example of that. Oh, okay. Hannah, when she brought Samuel, she had Samuel as a child. Uh, she brought a peace offering to the Lord concerning her sacrifice. It was a way to say, I have no resentment. I am holding nothing back in the payment of my vow. She said she would take a vow if the Lord would, you know, the vow was, the, the, she would take a vow and, and the Lord would uh, give her a son. And so he answered her prayer. She offered a peace offering. I have no resentment, Lord. It's all, it's all given to you. It's a, I have peace. I'm holding nothing back. It was a way of giving thanks to the Lord for his deliverance in the hour of need. It had nothing to do with paying a price for our sins, but just uh, making peace with God. Uh, it was a way of saying thank you. That's all a peace offering was, a way of saying thank you. And so the, 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 whatever was offered, uh, some would go to the priest, some would go on the altar, and whatever was left over, would, the offerer would, would keep. I think we offer a peace offering when we pray to say thank you to God for generosity, just to praise God for his goodness. Jesus is our peace offering, Romans 5 and 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, it's, been, it's been settled. This uh, anger between us and God, you know, not thy will but mine, okay? That's, that's, a, that's a contention, but the spirit of Jesus was not my will but thine. There's such, a con there's such a contention there between our will and God's will. And yet, when Christ paid the penalty for our sin, he dealt with the sin, he gave us the Holy Spirit, and now we have such peace with God through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. It's been settled. And we knew a lady one time in an assembly that we, uh, she was deeply involved in Sunday school. Uh, she and her husband for years, and she was a widow woman at the time. And we'd pick her up and take her to the local assembly. And uh, 
What was troubling was the fact that she never really had peace. She always questioned whether she really had enough faith to be saved. And, you know, that's, that's a tough situation. It was doubts, you see. Doubts are really a problem because a little doubt, Satan will take and as a wedge, like in a wedge of wood, bang away at it. You know, finally you split the log. That's the way Satan uses doubts. And this woman had been taken over by these doubts. And also we'd ask her, have you put your trust, who are you trusting in for your salvation? Well, the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't think I have enough faith. Well, how much faith does it take to trust somebody who you've never met, though, for eternity? Well, you might say, whoa, that's a lot of faith. But you need that moment, a time in your life when you put your trust in him. You have to have that time in your life when you put your trust in him and just rest on what he's done. Then you have peace, knowing he's done it all. It's not what you're doing. You might be really religious. You might be real foul in your life, whatever. But once you turn it over to him and ask for his forgiveness, that the blood of the cross be applied to your life, that you're safe in him, it's settled. That's peace. Therefore, being justified by peace, by faith, we have peace with our Lord Jesus Christ. Through God, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's wonderful peace. Anyway, there's just a, a few uh, uh, summary remarks on each of the offerings. The most important one to me was the drink offering because it, it's being all poured out for the Lord. There's Paul's example being all poured out for the Lord. Here's a gift to you, Lord. There's nothing of self in it. It's a beautiful picture. So with that, we'll close, okay? Thank you for coming this morning. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this time this morning to review these pictures of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray, Father, there would be practical aspects to our, 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 what we've talked about this morning that we ourselves would consider, Lord, when we have an opportunity to give a gift back to you, that it might be total without hypocrisy, and that uh, we thank you that our lives can be a sweet-smelling savor to the Lord. We thank you, Father, that the Lord Jesus Christ is pictured in each of these offerings, sin dealt with once and forever at the cross. Now our lives imported with the Holy Spirit, Lord, with your help and strength, Father, we can live for him. May that be true for each of us. Bless our families. Give us journey mercies home. Remember those who are on their way to Yosemite. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.